Hello everybody and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you tune into today's episode from. Last week I had the pleasure of talking with Robin Kemp, the Creative Director for Culture Liverpool and, more specifically on this episode of the podcast, the Creative Director for the City's River of Light Festival. This immersive 17-night light event turns Liverpool's iconic waterfront into a free outdoor art gallery of light and sound installations, with the event set to take place from the 21st of October to the 6th of November. When Robin and I recorded this podcast, he was just days away from the production build kicking in fully, so we were very grateful that he was able to spare some time in what was an extremely important phase of the project. We join the podcast with my first question to Robin, asking him to describe exactly what the River of Light Festival is and how it manifests itself. Um, as I said in that introduction, an immersive 17-night light event. I usually wait until the end of, of, of an episode to, to reference websites and things like that. But anybody who is, is watching this or listening to this may just want to hit pause now and quickly hop over to um, visit Liverpool's website and search um, the River of Light. Because there's a great video on there that shows a 2021 um, event, Robin, that I think in just a few seconds, people will really get a feel for, for what's happening with this event. But um Give us, you know, first of all, uh, a, a little bit of a, you know, describe what it is and how it works and how it manifests itself. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, so River of Light, we've been running it now for uh, for six, seven years. Um, basically, the the kind of the, the birth of it, really, if you will, actually came out of the fifth of November fireworks show. So, um, Liverpool always had big fireworks shows in in parks outside of the city centre. Um, and in 2016, um, we kind of made the decision that actually, A, a we, there wasn't a great amount of economic return for those events. You know, people mm -hmm. turned up, they were in a park outside the city centre, they happened and they left again 10 minutes after the show. But also that just generally it felt like things were just slightly shifting in that space. Actually, there was a lot more, of, there was plenty of more interesting way that we could kind of mark this moment in the kind of calendar rather than just a big fireworks show. Yeah. Um, so in 16, we, we made the decision to, to move the fireworks show into the city centre. Um, but the plan was always to actually use that as a chance to be able to grow uh, what has now become River of Light, essentially, essentially this light festival. So it was a kind of strategic plan around actually, uh, A, creating kind of a more creative response to that period of time, but also recognising that that kind of time between the end of summer and the start of Christmas, that kind of autumn time, mm. can actually be quite a challenge for, for some areas, in particular on the hospitality yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah pre-Christmas, you've not quite hit the Christmas sort of events schedule yet, have you? Absolutely. So it felt like there was a kind of window there for us in that. And in, in kind of consultation with the with the sort of, uh, you know, the local bid and with some of the hoteliers, we recognise this opportunity. So over the years, we've actually, in, in additions we've done, we've, we, we've been growing the event, both in terms of, like its footprint, so, so in terms of how long it's on in the calendar year, and also I think sort of the scale and the ambition of the works that we've been able to present. So in the first sort of couple of years, we really were just bringing in existing light artworks, testing them, beginning to sort of work out what worked in Liverpool. So, you know, anyone that knows the city and in particular waterfront, it's huge, right? You know, it really the city, is. Yeah. You know, the yeah. city streets are big. It's a massive vista. And so, you know, a lot of international light art, uh, festivals and also you know some that are kind of developing in the UK as well you know they have a huge number of works 50 60 works but they're but they're quite small a lot of them can be quite small and you know mm. sort of you know little interventions and 
what we've kind of come to realize is that doesn't really work for us and our audience. You know, our audience like scale, you know, they like scale and also mm. it, it suits the, the the space. You know, we've there's works in other places that look huge. You put them on the pier and they look absolutely tiny because <laughs> just because of what's around them, right? Uh, so yeah, absolutely, yeah. So actually what we've what we've begun to do been programming the last few years is is actually a smaller number. So we try and keep it around the sort of twelve to fifteen sort of like that, you know, works each each year, but of real scale and kind of purpose. Um and 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 then over the last two or three years, we we've been kind of curating those uh, uh, that that kind of program that works around a sort of a loose theme. So so twenty one you reference already. You know we've got this nice video that sort of sits on the visit Liverpool page already, which was called Rhythm of the Light. So it's mm. very much about the interaction between light and music, and that was kind of part of the the, the pieces we did. And then uh, this year, at the same time when River is taking place, there's also the World Gymnastics Championships being hosted in the city. So it's kind of huge sporting event, which again is about flow and movement and kind of people and the kind of beauty of that. And so we, we could unexpected twist actually the kind of idea of actually aligning ourselves around gymnastics and movement is kind of tied into it as well. So a number of the works either sort of directly or indirectly have that kind of feeling of something that's slightly unexpected in the way that they return, or actually they kind of have us have a sort of an alignment to, 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 to kind of the gymnastics and the, and the kind of look and feel of those things as well. So so mm-hmm. that's kind of what it's become um, um, as a kind of core product, really. The, the, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, in the last uh, six years, you know, 2016, did you say the, the first time, Correct, um, yeah. the, the first year that you ran it? And... Um, we were saying, as I alluded to off air, that I've been to Liverpool recently. I have been there before, but I, you know, I am aware through you know media coverage and uh, and other you know friends of mine that, that have done work there that there, there's been a huge development has in the last decade, sort of fifteen years on the waterfront in Liverpool. It is not just a big space in terms of scale. The buildings are big, you know, the the what the views, the vistas are huge across the River Mersey, but the actual development and the infrastructure on that waterfront now is really sort of cutting edge. It's 21st century stuff, isn't it, in terms of the the infrastructure, the buildings, you know, the spaces that you've got available. It's it's clean, it's modern, it's accessible. It's it, I presume from a production point of view, it ticks every sort of box in terms of getting some of these installations in. Well, it's an it's an amazing canvas for that reason. In that, in that what we've now got is a, is a very very modern, accessible, really well designed public realm, but which sits in front of some of the most sort of iconic architectural masterpieces in the UK. Right. Yeah. So whether or not you're looking at the Albert Dock, you know, which is, uh, you know the largest building in the country and it's this absolutely sort of stunning sort of monument to to, to kind of you know the city and its past um, mm. and also sort of the industrial heritage of the uk or you know the life building you know the kind of essentially the sort of most recognized building in in, in, in liverpool this kind of stunning uh, piece on the waterfront you're absolutely right what what we've now got and we're very happy and lucky to have it is this amazing space we can program which artists love because you, you've got that chance to either do something that that because of the space we have, you know, in, in that area, to be able to do something that's kind of feels quite discreet and kind of supports mm-hmm. that. Or more often than not, what we're doing is pieces of work that actually um, uh, that, that actually kind of play off some of the architecture that surrounds them and their environment. So actually what yeah, you have yeah. is something that either kind of contrasts with it or aligns to it really beautifully. So it, it does feel like a kind of, it's a sort of gift to program really that space uh also the, the way that we've designed river of light now is um originally we we covered it actually a wider sort of sort of physical footprint in the first couple of years and mm-hmm. it actually felt a little bit disparate and we went to see a couple of shows as well uh, you know other, other other kind of light art festivals and we realized that quite often you're walking for quite a long way mm. to get to a work 
that may or may not be a little bit underwhelming in some instances. And actually, <laughs> what we wanted, you know, from the outset was something that was kind of audience-led. So, so what yeah. we, we try and program it so you can kind of see the next work from each one. So although it's yeah. not a distinct trail, you know, we don't say you have to follow it in this route or anything like that, we have created it as a loop. Sure. It's a loop along the waterfront and up. So no matter where you get onto it, you can kind of find navigate way to the next one. And mm. that works really well for us because the numbers that we attract to, you know, last year was about 150, 175,000 people kind of came down over that over those nights. So you've got really significant numbers of people on the waterfront, but we've, we've always been able to manage that in a, in a really nice flow. It always feels like a good atmosphere. Sure. Yeah. Where you're moving. Do you know what I mean? And, and the kind of like the dynamics of the architecture encourage you to do that as well. So, so it, it kind of works really well in our favor. That. Well, there's two things that jump out at me there. Number one, again, with referencing my, you know, a recent visit. So while it's fresh in my mind, you can see, quite long a long way over the, the right. water the, the, as you're when you're on the waterfront with the various docks and the liver building the albert dock and, and the other buildings around it you can actually see quite you know a few hundred meters sort of down the dock and into the distance so the first thing that i'm imagining is is as, I, as i'm going on this route and i've looked at, at the route map um i bet that, that there is almost like you, you you're able to dangle carrots of the next installation because you could be looking at one but you could probably see another two three four five and six around the actual route which absolutely. will encourage people to to, to to keep on moving i presume absolutely that and again that's what what we've been working through over the last couple of years is is, is how we do that in a way that that's a really lovely way of putting it you know dangling the carrot so actually it kind of invites you to want to go and see more so in in, in so it's so actually so in 2021 to so last year we actually ran river of light twice Okay. So post-COVID stuff. So we did an addition in, in March time, which was just as we were emerging from, from that latest set of lockdowns. And so there was a lot of kind of scrutiny on that for the right reasons around how we managed it. And then we did it again in October. But um, but but those two in particular forced us to think about that in a really interesting way. Because obviously the March one, you know, we were still dealing with some issues around social distancing and, and, and things like that. We, course, we were just yeah. coming out of it, you know, had it. But it was quite an interesting thing for us from a production perspective. Think, right, you know, we still we know we're gonna have a really significant number of people. How do we program our content so actually we can support the kind of you know you know the sort of logistics and operational kind of side of it and actually the, the way that, that that's actually been really beneficial for us in, in terms of how we now program you know even now without those mm. restrictions in place because because it has got that thing where you you need you allow we're allowing space and things and, and works to breathe so we know we're gonna have an audience around them but you're right you better see the next one and actually to be able to at some point say that looks really busy over there i'm gonna go <laughs> i'm gonna circuit that one and go over here or actually that's fine it gives the audience a kind of a, you know you know a, a real chance to understand the environment they're in and be able to know yeah. what they're headed for um and we had a work in in the, in the edition at the start of last year called rainbow bridge which was uh which is a, a sort of a group of american artists only ever been shown uh burning man before which which essentially is just a 30 foot high huge led rainbow right so it's kind of like huge kind of iconic thing that we could kind of run numbers through we could run you know content through mm -hmm. it whatever we wanted it but just at its core it became this really brilliant we realized really quickly it's brilliant having a centerpiece like that that people can orientate themselves around you can see around the bridge from pretty much the whole route 
and actually wow. it became it's like a festival site right just any festival yeah. Site. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. Point where you can identify and go all right that bit's there so i had this way and actually again what we've been now doing is the site rain bridge was in 2016 sorry to, in, uh, at the end of 2021 we had another piece there called dance together which lucid crates did for us which was a huge kind of installation in the, in the same site which allows people to kind of reference that point again and we're doing a similar thing again this year as well so actually the the kind of orientation for the audience around it a lot of the feedback we get back is people love it because mm. it is a two kilometer route but it doesn't feel like it because you are constantly seeing something new you're, sure. you're moving there's an audience as crowd you, you know where you're heading there's no points where you sort of feel am i going the right way is this right you know you know you know which is kind of sometimes can happen in those city center sort of festivals we've created a system whereby you, you move through in it and it feels like a really kind of natural uh flow to the way mm. the audience moves um what into from a, a, a technical production point of view, you, you've got these magnificent installations, some of which have been commissioned specifically for River of Light, some of which have been, as you said, on display elsewhere, but this could be the first time that they've been on display in the UK. Um, but because those installations themselves, are, you know, are, are the attraction, you know, that they are the light attractions to it. Do you, do you have to be careful in terms of putting light production elsewhere and uh, the reason I ask that is because you've got these beautiful structures these beautiful old buildings and stuff that in, in their own right would make wonderful you know art installations if if lit up creatively do you make use of the, the landscape as well and the, and the sort of surrounding geography and light that in a certain way that is sympathetic to the actual installations without detracting from them yeah yeah absolutely and and, and that's something that we've got loads better on in the last few years and I think part of that James is like we knew this was going to take a while. So we knew when we shifted something, we began this, this kind of new idea of creating a sort of a light, uh, you know, an outdoor art gallery, essentially of light, that we needed, people needed to see it to understand it. And actually what's been the most kind of encouraging thing for us in the last few years in particular is the business sector around us, the landowners that have kind of part of that as well, have all 100% got on board with what we're doing in River of Light. So if you take the Life Building, for instance, you know, they actually now have a full, not directly because of River of Light, you know, they wanted to do it anyway, but they've got now got a full sort of DMX programmed lighting uh, system on the front of River, uh, on the front of the live building. So, so, so on previous years in River of Light, we've actually programmed that with them, and it's become an artwork in its own right using Beautiful. the existing infrastructure. Yeah. You know, we, we're able to work with those guys to make sure that actually, when you're there, the whole the whole of the city around you feels like that. It's the same with same with um, the Abbot Dock. You know, so the Abbot Dock, which dresses itself brilliantly for Christmas. Mm. They actually bring some of that forward now, that install forward, so it's lit really beautifully for River of Light ahead of time. You know, it's only like bringing it forward like two weeks from an install, but yeah. it's a major impact for the audience home. So, so what we're starting to see, um, and it's just you know, it's growing year on year, is is actually the recognition that you know we might be putting in that kind of core of the installations, but the experience around it from landowners, from from kind of other organisations, is are adding onto it, and, and that's kind of always what we wanted. I mean. What's amazing is when you start seeing bars and restaurants doing River of Life specials. You know, that's when you know you're kind of getting there because everyone's kind of bought into it and they recognise the value. And you know, we yeah. see massive uplift in terms of footfall and numbers, and uh, in terms of you know, sort of 40, 50 percent increase, uh, sort of year and year in terms of um, uh, in terms of people going out into the hospitality sector and, and spending money and uh, you know in, uh, on food and drink that have kind of come to the festival. Yeah. You know, we see 
footfall in, increases to sort of 30 40 percent in terms of the shopping district and you know so really really significant impacts of these things and so as people begin to see the benefit they begin to rank, and, and that's only beneficial for us right because what you want yeah is a, yeah you know, coming big and if you if you if you've just been around it with your kids and then you happen to go to a restaurant and be able to get a river ride special or you get a great cocktail but you know all these things uh you know kind of just build the experience for you as a kind of consumer yeah and i would i would i would hope that um, you know, when you look at an organisation like Visit Liverpool, and 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 you know, any city or region of the UK will have its own visit. You know, whatever whatever the region yeah. is, um, and you know, and their, their purpose is to promote education about that region and, and and allow people who are maybe not from that region to understand its culture, its history. You know, to promote tourism into into there, and, and obviously one of the the, the biggest you would hope outcomes from that is, is a financial gain. And there's nothing to shy away from there, I don't think. You know, I, I don't think people should hide behind that. And I think that if people can come to a, a project like this and uh, expand, you know, that their own um, horizons artistically and, and emotionally by going to the, a beautiful installation and following the route, but also that because, you know, they've come on a weeknight, you know, a load of the restaurants benefit from midweek, you know, trade that otherwise they probably wouldn't get, you know, and bars and like you said, shops, you know, that there is not just a benefit to the people who are visiting, but there is a peripheral benefit that, um, uh, you know, I, I think we should uh, we should always be proud to, to, to sing about because, you know, that that is a benefit to everybody in the city then. James, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the truth of it is, is that we're in a world now where you can't really program something that only delivers in one area. Mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean by that? So, 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 so for us, in anything we do, we're looking across the board in terms of what are the economics on this, what are the social benefits of this, what's the health and well-being benefits of this, and what's the kind of PR you know value for it. And yeah. if you take River of Light as a kind of example of that, so the economic stack up, right? You know, we know it drives great footfall. We know that kind of converts into, into spend in bars and restaurants and hotels and everything like that. So, so as a kind of city, as we mentioned at the beginning, at a time when it can be traditionally a little bit quieter in that window just pre-Christmas, we're really supporting that sector and growing it. So that's, that's a kind of, that's, that's a big tick. Mm. In terms of kind of uh, some social wellbeing, you know, this is totally free, right? You know, there is no paywall here. You'd have to pay to get on this trail. And, you know, we're really passionate about that fact that we keep culture and arts as far as we can in Liverpool. We keep them free. We don't want a barrier to entry. We want anyone to be able to come and access these things. And we work with the local transport providers to make sure that there's, you know, easy ways for people to get in and out of the city centre. We've, we've changed our timings a little bit now. So actually, they're really family friendly. We start a little bit earlier. We start exactly at five o'clock now. So it's just in that twilighty zone. And we, we kind of close off about kind of nine, half nine, which means actually you've got a window where, you know, you're not starting to kind of cannibalise that evening traffic anywhere. Yeah. he's very much a sort of audience traffic family that we're, that we're going for so so you get them there and this is world-class art right i think this is the other thing we're really passionate about it's like you know what we're doing more now and this year's a really big step for us forward into this is we're commissioning artists that are incredible world-class artists you know yinka Ilori, for instance this year you know who just don't normally work in light this is the first time they've worked in light he's worked in light in this way camille walala exactly the same you know brilliant artists with huge followings international followings who've never worked in this uh, medium before you know we're mm. giving them this opportunity and working with them to develop these things it's extraordinary because you as a you as a consumer can come and see this right you know you see this amazing world-class art on your doorstep for free in the city center so you so there's a kind of like thing around both you know, uh, recognition of, of a culture in terms of recognition of, of kind of art and understanding of it. 
But also, and this sounds a bit true, you know, you're also getting people out and about, right? You're walking yeah. a two-kilometer route to do that. So from a kind yeah. of like well-being perspective, you're encouraging people to get out of the house, you're moving them around. There's all these kind of additional benefits that, that, that come with it. And then at the end of it as well, you know, things like this, right? We're able to talk about it publicly. We get huge reach from it in terms mm-hmm. of from a PR perspective. You know, Instagram rules the world, right, around marketing. Pretty much <laughs> everything that we present is totally shareable. They're all Instagram friendly. And, and actually, I'm not ashamed to say that a lot of the program we do, we think about that. You know, how does this translate in terms of camp? You know, if I'm going to take a picture of this on my phone, which everyone is going to do, does it work? What's the backdrop look like? How does that fit? How does it work? You know, yeah. if I'm going to take a selfie, where do I take it from? Does it, you know, all these things are part of our planning and thinking because they're crucial, A, to the experience of the consumer you know the audience that are coming down they want to be able to share things they want to be able to take great images they want to be able to you know be, be able to light up their their insta feeds with staff but also it's placemaking for the city yeah. you know if you're really really honest you know actually if we present a beautiful piece of work in front of an amazing piece of architecture and it goes across everyone's twitter feeds and it goes across everyone's insta feeds and it goes on facebook it's placemaking for liverpool it's helping tell the story that we're trying to tell around our kind of modern liverpool so so yeah. for us uh, you know project like river of light kind of ticks all those boxes um and 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 and, and in many ways they're they're all sort of benefit each other if you know what i mean you know you know they're kind of reciprocal getting communities local communities in to kind of come and come and go around them bringing in tourists from outside all these things benefit each of those different steps of the kind of journey yeah from a from a communications point of view um i mean it by the sounds of things i i would be right in saying it's grown year on year so every year by the sounds yeah. of things, there are more people you know you you get exponential growth you get word of mouth people saying what a great experience they had etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean uh, fundamentally is it referred to as an art installation and the reason i ask that is because there will be many people out there who maybe like going to gigs who like going to live music events and think you know they like going to things but they would go oh no i don't i don't really do art you know do, do you are you conscious of that within your communications so that you are looking to attract an audience who may not stereotypically be interested in going to an art gallery in its traditional sense yeah it's a, it's a really good point and we are always trying to refine it. So, 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 so we always talk about it as an immersive experience. And it's mm. kind of first thing. And the truth of it is, people take that differently, right? Depending on your kind of what what you mean by that. But, but, our, but our follow up is always that it's a it's an open air art gallery, and that's kind of I think how we we perceive it. So, so we absolutely recognise that this needs to be as broad as possible in terms of the audience, people that can come to it, but we're also very committed to the fact that these are incredibly important and impressive pieces of art right you know these are you know there are a lot sometimes you go to a light festival and it's just full of pea lights and it's like you know we've lit we've lit yes. up a big <laughs> the moving P-lights. heads on a building <laughs> so i'm not disparaging that at all it's, yes. you know things that make things look beautiful is, is great but it's not kind of what what river of light is river of light is about uh, you know, a platform for artists to do amazing things that just so happen to get huge audiences because they're also engaging, immersive, experiential, all these things that kind of come with it. So, so it's a really good, it's a really good point. You know, we think it, it we think it's core back experience. We think it's about you coming down, friends, family, being able to spend an hour, two hours exploring those work, works because they're in for you know 17 nights this time around, actually. We already, and from previous, well, what we see is that some people who maybe work in the city might go and see a few, you know, one night. Yeah, yeah. Come back a couple of nights later and go and see others, you know, with their friend, you know, with, with the family or whatever. So, 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 you, so it begins to be something that you can actually sort of dip in and out of and experience in different ways. And, and, and also, I think we've tried to be 
as I say, around how we've sort of designed it and shaped it, we, we didn't want this to feel like a sort of something that had necessarily a beginning, middle and end. Like you sort of had to come and, you know, have to commit three and a half hours yeah. to do this. Yeah. You, know, you know, it was actually about how does it work for you? You know, we programmed it during the school holidays intentionally because actually we want people to be able to come bring bring their kids down and kind of, you know, showcase it. So I think I think there are so many strands to it. And in many ways, actually, the comms side of it is, is quite challenging for us because it does it does so many jobs for us in terms of it being open, accessible, free, but high quality art. But also that, you know, we're always conscious of from a production and operation perspective, how we're driving audience and when, you know, so actually our ability to be able to sort of we're really clear when key times are you know it's going to be busy between this time and this time maybe if you can maybe think about coming a little later or a little earlier you know we're, we're constantly thinking and revising as we go throughout the process of, course, of, yeah. of yeah. you know of the show about how we do it and 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 it does create a sort of um it does feel like each year each different um kind of iteration of it has its own sort of uh uh kind of life cycle if you if you, if you will like as in it's it, you know until you open it and you begin to see how the audience flow around it. There's certain things that you think, maybe that's going to work. And actually mm. suddenly it blows up. People love it. You think, well, hang on a minute. This is really interesting how we move the audience around this. <laughs> you know? And so I think, I think all, all those things around kind of both pre-coms, around how we talk and sell about it, but then, but then, but then kind of you know, during comms. Well, it's slightly different to a, an event you know, where you've got a five-hour window on, on one day or a weekend. Sure. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Such a long period of time that actually you can finesse and you can help educate the audience around those things. And that in itself is something quite different for us as well as a team that we've all been developing as we go, which is we're, you know, we're an event team, really. You know, we're used yeah. to delivering, you know, big festivals that happen over a kind of kind of condensed window of time. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. This is a slightly different way of which you want to be talking to your audience. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, again, on that sort of subject of the duration of it, um, I, I was keen to ask whether or not, things stay absolutely the same for every one of those 17 nights or do you have you know additional elements of content on certain days you know whether that be specific to what you think could be a quieter you know day of the week perhaps where you think actually we're going to program a bit of an additional content there will people see the same every night or will it be subtly different so um it's a bit of both so so everyone's guaranteed the experience that we that we that we talk about publicly because i think we We've done things in the past where we've kind of done uh, set pieces on certain days, and actually, it it actually drives too big an audience, right? You you actually what you get is you get a concentration of audience around a specific time. So say so it's oh so there's going to be a live performance on X day on the Sunday, you get a massive driver into that space, and actually it's, it's kind of not what it's there for for us to do. So, so so what we actually now do is we guarantee the core experience all the time, but then we supplement it. And we don't tell people we're doing that. So at certain points, there'll be pop-up installations of experiences that happen, which then get shared, you know, so the public are there. Oh my God, I've just seen this amazing thing. So, so I'll give you a great example. You know, uh, uh, in October last year, one of the pieces uh, was a project called Light Piano XL. So it's a, a Dutch artist. And essentially it's, a, it's an amazing installation of light boxes that surround a, a space which are choreographed to a piano. So each key you hit, a different light box lights up. Wow. And if you are a brilliant pianist you can create shapes and movement within the light and every experience every time you go in there it's experience equally if you're just a kid that goes up and mashes it with your hand different light boxes will come up to you create a moment too well, that's, that's what we did, yeah it's fascinating yeah so what, what we were doing is we were programming different styles of pianist into 
that at different points. So at different times of the day, we'd, you'd have a jazz pianist that would come in and just play a 20 minute set and it would be this extraordinary thing. Or we'd bring in a concert pianist to perform. And in between that, the public would just come and have a go and it was open to you to have a play. But by being able to bring in, I mean, some of the best moments from the whole last year were where you had sort of unexpectedly brilliant pianists come in, sit down and just start performing. And it was they were just stunning musical performances with this incredible light show around them. And the sort of reaction of people to that, it's just amazing. And, and you kind of, in many ways, you want that sort of sense of like, oh my God, I've just stumbled across this. You know, actually, when you, when you, if, I think for a show like, like ours, for a festival like this, if you, if you stage manage it too much and say, oh, at this moment, on this day, this person's going to show, it, it's a different thing. The idea that you stumble across this extraordinary moment that's happening at the heart of a sort of festival, I think is what's most exciting about it. And so, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you what, but we have got three or four kind of quite no, exciting a, a, Absolutely, this year. A, absolutely, we're, yeah. We're going to sort of program in it as well, which is quite different from something we've done before, really. And, and we think it's going to work really well. So it's some programming those in. And I think that's what that's what I think keeps it interesting and fresh for people. Mm. So you know you're going to be able to come down and you're going to see the works that are going to be stunning. But actually, there might be a little bit of a layer on top of that, which feels like, you know, it's like different. And, and, and I think that kind of coming back to what we said earlier, I think that's where the sort of benefit of the whole city getting behind it as well yeah really helps you know so where you've got retailers doing kind of coloring lighting things and stuff like that you know linked to some of our partners like john lewis are kind of doing things with us as well so what you begin to see is actually everyone's experience of light begins to feel slightly different depending on who you are and kind of kind of what time you come and when you start and i, th- and I think that's nice yeah absolutely I've, I've written down i scribbled synesthesia down here um <laughs> i don't know if that that's something you've ever come across before but it's something that i i was made aware of for the first time this year and it's where where people experience senses um in different ways so 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 people would would instead of hearing music they would see it as shapes or colors or pictures um and vice versa and um that that that, that struck me that piano installation from last year you know really sort of ticks that box it's 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 something uh, for some random reason you know where you find out about something for the first time you've never heard it before which i did about synesthesia at the start of this year and then suddenly you see it cropping up everywhere, everywhere. you know i must have read a, a read or, or or seen you know a dozen different things related to it um and that yeah that's what i scribbled down immediately um, well, i think I, I think that's i think that's really interesting to say that i mean that was um yeah, last year, this idea of kind of rhythm of the light was was absolutely that. And it was how do we tie together music and light in a way that's that's really interesting, not just here's an artwork and we're going to give it a soundtrack, you know, which is kind of what sort of happens sometimes. So great example that I mentioned Dance Together earlier on. You know, that, that was a piece of work that we actually did as a co-commission with uh, Chibuku, which was a, an amazing nightclub in Liverpool, celebrating its 21st anniversary. And we found they'd found i should say this archive of like amazing performances and also um uh, uh, kind of poetry and things fr- from from like you know their entire 20 years there was a clear up in the office and oh, what we actually yeah. created was a was a was a was a kind of sound and light piece that actually celebrated 21 years of jibuku but also have within it some of the kind of messaging in the words from from, from some of those original pieces uh, a kind of a new uh, a new kind of poetry installation that was linked to it as well so what you had was Every time you went into that experience, it was different. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that it felt like you were going back into Chibuku, right? And I think sure. what was really interesting about that was people that, people that you know, had been to Chibuku 15, 20 years ago, you know, when they were like a lot younger, going in and, and, and genuinely being like emotional. <laughs> because, yeah. because either it was like a track that they hadn't heard for that long, or it was like, you know, there was messaging that kind of related to it, that kind of yeah. felt them. And that immediately that brings back memories. Absolutely. And that ability for, for, for art, to do that in a way that 
you know, the, the you know, the, you know, other other things can't, and also in a way for us to do that in a way that's so big and popular. Right, this is not like really. This wasn't like a big niche thing around a specific thing. It was like a massive installation that was full of families and kids alongside. You know, clubbers who would like relive in their youth, sort of thing. Sure, so it's this yeah. kind of amazing sort of moment. I think that. I think that kind of idea of synesthesia and how you sort of tie things together is kind of kind of really really interesting actually. And, and and in other spaces we've been looking at that as well at the moment. In other projects in the pool at the moment around how we bring together different strands of of kind of either art forms or emotion, um, uh, you know, in in, a, in 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 a way that's in a way that kind of impacts people and affects sure. people. I, I, I actually, just just to sort of park on one land of one thing, um, don't mind. So the world's quite a challenging place at the moment. You know, there there is a lot of really tough things happening around you know cost of living crisis and you know, you know the future of the world all, all these kind of things um, and the one thing that we're always saying and I it's constantly talking about it is like you have to just at the core of everything you do it has to just bring joy yeah so the core of what we do has to be joyful now that is a different that means different things to different people but I think we've been really clear throughout this year of programming in particular that everything we produce with light it's got to instill that sense of joy in you, right? Because otherwise, sort of like almost like, kind of what's the point, right? You know, we yeah. need to be injecting this kind of energy and excitement for people. So, so, so I think that, you know, kind of sort of simple point again is, is like actually having that sort of principle of like, right, let's create something that genuinely moves people, makes them feel happy, joyful, elated, emotive, proud of the city, proud of their family, proud of the place they live. And having a great time amongst, you know, the, you know, if, if you can, if you can get to that, it feels like, you know, you're you're sort of doing something right. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. You know, I I always say, you know, with, with an event, if people just say wow and smile, then you've got them. <laughs> That's all they have yeah. to do. They don't have to say anything else really. Or, or, you know, if 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 you can inspire a genuine wow moment to somebody, then. That, that that's that's a huge box ticked ticked i think um, and i think in a city like liverpool the audience aren't shy in telling you what they think and that's yeah, really, yeah. right that's great so so for us we know when we get it wrong because we're told <laughs> like <laughs> in <laughs> terms but equally the reason why i love programming stuff in liverpool is you get these incredible layers of emotional reaction to stuff that you genuinely you, you don't get in some other cities because it is a very sort of passionate sort of open community-led sort of city and so you know uh we get the most amazing reactions from the like both on the ground retrospectively as well you know and it and it is you know it's a, it's it, it, it's fantastic to feel like you know you're doing work that that genuinely people enjoy and love right and that's both in terms sure. of number of people out to it but also just the conversation having people around the route and, and the things that kind of impact it is 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 that you know you can't it's, it's getting so challenging you know to deliver big projects right you know we all know the issues the industry is facing around budgets and we all know around kind of the challenge around resourcing and all those things that you know hopefully you know will be over the next couple of years will kind of shape themselves out and, and we'll get back to, to position but i think there's sometimes we can as an industry get so caught up in the operational requirement of something or the need to do x or the budgetary restrictions you sometimes forget the audience and i think we yeah. we never forget the audience <laughs> so they are the absolute core and even in the context of those things around the challenges you face it's always got to be about what does this mean for that audience member on the ground and and, and if yeah. we get that right 
then 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 the kind of reactions kind of tell us that we've put it right we're just picking up on a couple of bits there challenges operationally etc etc i've scribbled here again on my on my notepad technical and artists and <laughs> and when i picture and when i've seen some of the installations from 2021 on the video that i mentioned earlier on uh, in the podcast today um the scale of them the, the 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 shape the size how they're actually structured um requires obviously not just the artist to, to deliver the piece but also i would presume a, a technical team a more traditional event technical production team to to deliver things like rigging to deliver things like power to deliver you know ground stacked supports you know to, to support certain elements and all that has got to be done in line with the artists i presume own vision of how they want the installation to be presented but also in a manner that as an event organizer is done safely into certain standards and i'm just just wondering whether or not maybe we can touch on some of that and and how much of a challenge it is how early you have to start how much constant communication is there between the artists and and the technical production side of things to make sure that as these start to be installed on on the waterfront and on the various locations around the city, that that things are as they they need to be without any compromises to the artistic installation. I mean, you've sort of hit upon the hardest point of the entire project, really. To be to be perfectly honest, James. So, I, <laughs> I mean, I think you know, like so. So, to unpack a bit of that, so we we program about what we try and program twelve months out. So yeah. we we kind of know now what we want to present next year. Okay. Um, but we always leave a gap for new commissions. So we've always got new commission work, but but we know. I mean, I would. I just as an aside, I would love us to have the budget and the timeline to do an entirely new commission. So that would be extraordinary. But we, but just sim sim simply not possible. So sure. so we we you know we increase our our commissions each year. But 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 basically, we know kind of now what we want to present next year. Um, we begin the conversations, and we're always artist led again, which is upsets our production guys a lot, but we're artist led. So, so, so it's like, what do you want this to look like? Right. And quite often works have been presented before, and we do a lot of research on those works, what worked, what didn't. But the big thing, which I think is sometimes a little different from us with us is, and this is a massive thing for me in particular is, um, quite often light works look terrible in daylight. Yeah. So quite often all the production that you talk about in terms of rigging points or in terms of guys that hold them down or into whatever, just look awful in then and they look stunning at night and we are in the middle of a you know architecturally stunning waterfront with the audience there the entire time so we are committed to these things looking good in the daylight mm -hmm. and that that is a challenge so we, we 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 start with the artist what's the ambition where do you want it to work it to and then we take that to our production guys so we have an in-house event management team at, at culture liverpool um who are you know arguably the best in the country in terms of being able to use you know a cityscape and be able to turn it into a, into a major event and so in terms of working really closely with that team so so, so from, from a creative perspective you know me then working with, with those guys and my team working with those guys to make sure that from an event perspective this is going to work and then we have external production support we bring in specifically so in this instance working with rem uh to kind of come in and, and work on this as well in terms of how we're going to that and then and then the conversations begin so to be fair quite often there is a solution that's existing that we're able to kind of work through and we mm. and get to. We have some instances, and it's quite often on new commissions where we're shaping these things as we go, you know, and actually there is a kind of sense of these things are, are running at a twin track between our art, our, 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 our art and kind of production and where they end up. The 
I guess that's our, our role right in the heart of that, which is that our number one priority is safety for the audience. So if anything's unsafe, it's ne obviously never going to happen. Of course, yeah, of without course. saying. So beyond that then, it's for me, it's like, how close can we get it to the artistic vision? You know, and is that about clever ways in which you rig this, how we change it? And sometimes we've been in a space where we've actually changed the design with the artist to, to, to support them in terms of creating their, their vision mm -hmm. because actually it's gonna it's it's just gonna be better from perspective. So so that those two way streets, right? Touch wood so far, we haven't had a point where we've had not been able to resolve something. We have had some 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 really challenging conversations and it always comes down to two or three things. It always comes down to cable runs, or it comes down to <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it comes down to fence lines, right? Yeah. Or it comes down to, it comes down, it comes down to sort of you know visible trust. Basically, they're always kind of big free that everyone hates. But I think you know we we we've always been able to find a solution. And sometimes you know we always think oh, we're that you know there's there's things that always niggle at you. But I think we've done a decent job over the last few years of getting to a point where where uh, where these things are um, uh, you know as good as can be in our commissioning now. If you look at our commissioning briefs now and the work that we do now compared to where we were five years ago, they are, it's chalk and cheese. Mm. We are so averse now what can and can't work. Actually, we are briefing in at that point, here are the considerations. And it is, it's so much more beneficial for everyone involved in the process because it means artists are going in their eyes wide open to say, right, here's the things I need to think about. You know, you know, and here's the considerations, whether it be weight sure. loading, you know, whether it be wind loading, whether it be all these kind of considerations around it. I think that that's where we're getting to where we now understand this site so well and also we understand the consideration we understand the audience so well and the behaviors actually we're able to be able to kind of support artists in developing and designing stuff from scratch that yeah. that, that facilitates all those kind of production aspects in the, in the background but it's mm. it, it is a really it is a it, it it's kind of the, the core right it's the core of the conversation yeah. because yeah. because it's so easy for things to get too drag down in production and suddenly lose the entire magic of the work but equally there are times when we see initial works and we're like that is not going to survive one windy day yeah a huge yeah the dang dangling from a single steel cable and a exactly yeah, a right? circular truss full of led screen all the classics so so how we kind of find this and i think that you know we're now in a place whereby those conversations um you know we know to have them at day one you know we, and, and, and we have them results but but you know every year there is a there is a challenge and again it comes down with the site as well you know occasionally we'll put something onto a new you know part of the the the, the, the waterfront space and then only when we sort of investigate do we discover this is an entirely different you know sort of thing that we were expecting because of the historical thing that's been underneath it or whether or not there's kind of it's been on the you know dockland and all these sort of things that come with it so so you know we work with you know structural engineers and everyone constantly to kind of evolve and assess and work on those things but i think we've done quite a nice job up until now of being able to kind of um uh uh of uh, kind of find that, that kind of mutual sweet spot right between mm -hmm. kind of things that production and health and safety and everyone related to it are, are happy with but which artists also feel can kind of deliver on their their sort of initial vision we're um we're talking uh on the podcast today about um river of light uh with uh, robin kemp the creative um, director for river of light and for um visit liverpool events um I i'm i'm gonna sort of start wrapping saying that it's it's three working weeks. We're recording this on a Monday morning, Robin, and we're three working weeks away from the opening. As I uh, as I look at it on my calendar, on the twenty first of October, um, where I where, where do you sit on to you know as we record this today? Where are things 
in terms of, of that sort of build schedule, I, dare I say, you know, I know it's art insulation, but we would refer to it in the industry as a build, build schedule, wouldn't we? Absolutely. So, so yeah, so we're in a good place. So we start installing on the 13th. So we install about a week out is when work starts to go in. Um, all the new commission works are either fully completed or in the process of being compiled in various studios across the country. Um, and at this point in time, we're in a good place. So all of the kind of, um, uh, all the work that has to be done through Jack and Sag and, and various other kind of things within the city, city, city processes have, have kind of been completed. Um, and we're actually now beginning the process of actually working so all our kind of wayfinding all those things are beginning to start to sort of like you know kind of pop up around the city so at this point in time we we're, we're sort of in a good place um however which is when it it all comes together right so so we are we're we're, we're always it's not our first rodeo uh james so, so we know that yeah. in the next couple of weeks things are there are going to be some challenges um we struggled uh, in last year in particular. We had a, we had a few issues around um, around transport because obviously some of the works were international and the ability to get them in at that point just became so so challenging. Yeah. So we 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 kind of built additional buffers into some of those things. So some of the international works are already in the UK uh, uh, to ensure that we're not. Uh, I mean, we were fine last year. Eventually, everything opened at the same time, but there were a couple of sleepless nights as to, as to whether or not we're going to and stuff like that. So 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 in terms of that, we're, we're in a good place and. I think that our kind of content marketing is really starting to kick in now. Yeah. Uh, so this 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 kind of autumn window in Liverpool is a, is hugely busy. You've got I would have mentioned it. We're watching Lassie's Championships. Uh, yeah. We've also got uh, our place in space, which is one of the uh, unboxed projects, is kind of coming into open in the city. Um, but also the Turner Prize opens um, at around the same time at Tate Liverpool, which is kind of on on the route of of, of light of light as well. So you've got sort of four massive kind of projects of kind of national national significance that are all happening in or around the same sort of window so so lots of our work at the moment is making sure that all of the parties and partners within that are all kind of aligned and we're all talking in the same way but from a production perspective our guys were on site on friday last week finalizing a few bits and beginning some sort of putting in some fixings and stuff like that and we, we all feel pretty confident so um yeah uh, it's, it's famous last words right uh two weeks before we start installing but at the moment we, we feel like we're in a pretty good place Absolutely. And I think, you know, on behalf of everybody listening or watching this today, good luck with it. You know, it sounds fascinating. If anybody tuning into this and we're going to hopefully try and get this podcast out fairly swiftly. So um, so people can listen to some of this whilst the event is very much still accessible and available to people to go and visit. Do go and visit it. You know, if you work in, in, in the events industry, you know, it's great to get along to events like this to see it may relate on no level to the sort of events that you organize if you're listening to this but inevitably as i've found you go to something like this you will always learn something um about the events and your own you know work on a day-to-day -day basis just by going to things like this and seeing how they're delivered and and um yeah taking pictures ask questions and get them on instagram i think uh get them on instagram we really appreciate it. i think i think yeah if, if anyone's interested you know visit liverpool dot com forward slash river of light uh, to be able to see the installations that are coming in for this year you know follow you know across visit liverpool or culture liverpool kind of twitter and instagram as well so you know uh, all that stuff's on there but you, yeah we'd we'd love to welcome anyone from the industry to come come over have a look you know uh, and then 
stay in a hotel and spend some money with us. <laughs> absolutely. You'll have a, a guaranteed great time in Liverpool. I can testify to that. Absolutely. Um, our thanks today um, to our guest, Robin Kemp. Um, River of Light opens on the 21st of October and runs until the 6th of November. Uh, and just a little reminder to everybody who is tuning into the podcast today that if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, head over to eventindustrynews.com when you've got a moment and you can watch video versions of all of our podcasts as well as checking out the latest news features, supplements, special features that are on Event Industry News, as well, of course, as the A to Z supplier directory. If you're working in the industry and you're looking for a supplier or a service in the industry, go to eventindustrynews.com, click on the A to Z supplier directory, and you will find a long and you know fairly exhaustive list of anybody and everybody that supplies something or some sort of service to the events industry. Of course, if you're already on that website and uh, watching today's video podcast, thank you very much for tuning in. And don't forget to go in the opposite direction as and when you've got the time to do so. Go to wherever you get your podcasts from. You can listen to audio versions of all of our podcasts and subscribe. Robin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'll be keeping my eye on it keenly. Do send us some follow-up information. We'd love to get some of the stats, the figures, the key information once this year's event has uh, has run. And, of course, talk to you uh, once the planning and everything gets underway for next year. So the very best of luck to it. And thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks so much, James. Really appreciate it. And goodbye, everybody. We'll see you on the next edition of the podcast. Cheers. Thank you.